Okay, so this week on Between Two Pines, you have myself, Austin, and Zach. We're going to be talking about some different topics about the outdoors, as we always do. So this week on Between Two Pines, we have some news stories that we're going to talk about. We got some, uh, some big old bears that we're going to be talking about, uh, one of which got into a fight with a grown man, which is hilarious. Uh, some thick mommies and poppies that were out uh, in the national parks at Katmai. And then we got a little case of a dirty beaver that went out and uh, may have tried to kill a man. Uh, and then we're going to go over some of our, uh, our week recap uh, about some different things that we did this week. And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, technology and hunting. And I think that's an interesting topic that a lot of people can re- relate to. And then, as always, we'll knock out some hot gear, cold beer, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll close out. So, uh, actually, this week we'll start with the, the week recap. Zach, what did you do this week in the outdoors? This past week, I left for uh, central North Dakota last what was that? Last Thursday. Um, nope, two Thursdays ago. I got back last Thursday. Um, it was it was fun as always. Saw a lot of birds. Um, just the way that the whole year has been. They've gotten so much rain up there. It it was just unbelievable how much standing water was around. Um. Every every couple miles or every section, you could see where water was coming over the road at one point from washouts. All the I really do feel bad for those farmers. All the beans and corn and everything was still in. Um, and then as for the ducks, they could they could go anywhere. And the flooded beans mainly is where we saw them dumping into. But uh, each each flooded bean field had you know, a dozen different pockets of sheet water in it. So they were just hard to kind of congregate. Um, we ended up shooting about 65 birds total, four Ooh, guys. Nice. Hey, that's um, not, nothing to complain about there. Yeah, it was fun. Um, yeah, like I said, there was a big push of birds that last day. We shot our four-man limit that last day, and we actually shot nine different species on big water that day. So that was pretty sweet. One for the books. So what, um, what, what species did you shoot? What, what nine did you knock out? Oh, man. We, we shot some really nice redheads, mallards, gadwalls, a shoveler, widgeon, Ringneck, green wing teal, buffle head, and a canvas back. Nice, nice, yeah. So, yeah, you guys got some. I mean, were you seeing more predominantly one species than others, or were you just seeing a little bit of everything? Uh, the, the gadwalls were pretty good. That's kind of our bread and butter whenever we're up there or a lot of guys that go up there early, that's usually what's mainly getting killed. We really didn't see all that many mallards. Um, it just, that weather, we left right before they got all that snow the day before, so I'm sure the big mallards picked up a little bit. But besides that, it was just a couple of just about everything you could think of. Nice, nice. And so you, you were out there, it was uh, your, your dad and your brother, and were you out there with anyone else? Uh, no, this is actually some guys from Iowa. Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, and so you had, what, four guys, you said? Yep, four guys. And for ducks, we shot nine the first day. And at that point, we had to, we had to jump shoot ducks to eat that night. I mean, it was, it was getting pretty... Uh, pretty desperate so i mean we even shot a couple of ruddy ducks that were just swimming and there were spreads <laughs> um, then the next day we shot 12 the next day we shot 18 and then the last day we shot 24 nice nice yeah so you guys cleaned up end of the week nothing wrong with that good way to close it out and then uh you, i know you got another trip coming up you're gonna be doing the uh what are you doing the sand hills yep uh beginning of november I'll be going to Northwest Oklahoma with my dad and brother, and we're going to try and see if we can't shoot a couple of cranes. And then we're either going to try to, depending on what's 
been flying, we're going to either do two crane hunts and a duck hunt or two days of duck hunting and a day of crane hunting. Oh, that'll be sick, man. That'll be awesome. And then uh, I, yeah. know you, I know you knocked out the duck, uh, but I, I saw and you and I have been taxing back and forth. You got some, uh, you got some deer hunting in there too. Let's hear about that. Yeah. Um, I shot another doe during this bow season. Um, I had hunted that spot two days in a row. Saw a lot of action the first day, but I was just kind of sticking out like a sore thumb where I was at. I drew back on a group of three and a group of two and I got, they busted me. So I was, I stayed in that same area, but I just tucked back in a little farther in a different tree and climbed up. Um, and at about, well, 5.30, 5.45, I had a pair of does walk uh, right in, right in front of me. And I shot the one at about 16 yards and the, the blood trail looked like if you punctured a red spray paint can and just started running around with it. There was Jesus. Those things, those, those broadheads really did do their job. Good. Yeah. And what, what kind are you, well, we can talk about that, uh, you know, on the gear. Yeah. Hit, hit on those broadheads for sure. Well, that's awesome. Any, anything else you, you, you ended up doing? Uh, I went out actually Monday morning. I went out bow hunting again. Um, and as far as Southern Missouri goes, I'd say the bucks are starting to move. Uh, I saw a nice big bodied mature buck walking around just on a mission. I don't know where, what he was doing, but he was just kind of trotting past me at about eight thirty. And then on my drive home, I actually saw a couple like two and a half year old, three and a half year old bucks just moseying around in a field at about ten thirty, eleven o'clock. So, um, I really think it's starting to pick up with this little, these little cold fronts we keep getting, and it's only going to get better from here. Nice. No, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be good. I'm still uh, still really not doing good on going out for the the bow, and that I have not gone out at all. But uh, you know, I've been getting out and about. So, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's uh, I just try and get out there, and if I can just. Like that Monday, I just said, I'm just going to go sit. You know, if something presents itself, I'll take it. But this is just kind of a a scouting sit or an observation sit. And then, you know, just tuck, now that I saw that mature buck, I'm just tucking that away for end of October, early November for the rut. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And you, you got cams out or no? Uh, no, I don't. I don't have any. Um I kind of just like exploring new new spots and stuff like that. And if I don't see any, I don't see any. But that's kind of – I just like to drive around and get behind binoculars and kind of just go find them myself. Yeah, no, for sure. That's definitely definitely old school way to do it, which you, you're, you're producing. So, you know, uh, obviously your techniques are working. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. what, what did Austin do? Um. Well, uh, I, we didn't record last week because uh, you were out of town, but uh, <clears throat> I've been out, uh, went out duck hunting again uh, this weekend. Um, had a bit of a kerfuffle, if you want to call it that. Um, so we had real good conditions. Um, so where we were hunting, uh, found a uh, so I found an abandoned blind, which we uh, we kind of re redid trimmed it up got it in working order and uh took my boat out there got in the blind uh you know set up a good spread about two dozen decoys mojo got out there and uh saw a lot of ducks we had a uh you know a flock uh it was like a a three for a come in and uh pancaked one and we cripped it and it hit the water started just zoot scooting along the top and there was a, a peninsula right off to the side of us thing zoot scoots right into the peninsula and i was all jonesed up so i'm like ah and i like jump out of the blind and uh, it was shallow enough where i could run over there it was probably about 75 to 100 yards that i had to like run over to find this thing and i told my buddy that i was with i was like all right you just stay here i'm gonna go run over grab this thing got over there um by the time i got over there i thought i was actually going to die 
uh, because it was <laughs> it was 65 degrees out, and this is at you know it was just after shooting hours, it was about seven in the morning, and uh, 65 degrees out, and I am dead exhausted. What I thought was I was like, oh, I'm gonna get over there real quick. Yeah, no, I was dead, and uh, so I'm trying to find this thing, could not find it at all. It's still like dark out because it's overcast, little drizzle going. There's like no light. I'm like, ah, I couldn't find this thing, so I cross over, and the the peninsula is like maybe. I don't know, 15 feet wide, this uh, land bridge that we're, we're hunting next to. I cross over the other side of it where there's some backwater on the other side. And I only had three rounds in the chamber and I was carrying my gun with me. Cross over the other side, two teal kick up right from the other side. As soon as I cross over, I step in the water, two teal kick up, folded the one, hit the water. Other one kind of scooted off, was splashing. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to go try and find this one that's still alive and the other one that's maybe still alive. Couldn't find either one of those. In the meantime, the one that I folded had sank. So, <laughs> oh, my God, this is the worst day of all time. <laughs> so we spend the next literally shoot from shooting hours till about 8.30. We spent looking for these three ducks. And did not find a single one. And I, <laughs> it was awful. So pretty much the entire day of hunting was wasted trying to find these birds. Basically, long story short, I really need to invest in a dog. Um, but, yeah. um, but saw oh, you know why that one sunk, right? Why is that? Because it probably had some metal hanging off its <laughs> leg and it got weighted down too much. Don't even, bro. Don't even. Don't, <laughs> don't do me like that. Yeah, no, probably, yes. Yeah, I, I was, I, it was a very, very depressed day of hunting. But uh, whatever, I guess we saw birds and shot some. But, you know, and I hate, I hate, hate freaking leaving birds out there. Especially when I feel yeah. like it is such a waste and we look for freaking almost two hours. We were out there with spotlights trying to find these birds and could not freaking find them. It was awful. But, you know, nature of the beast when you're not when you're not hunting with the dog. But um, besides that, uh, I got out fishing, caught some walleyes, caught some nice smallmouth. Uh, my folks came into town, so went out with my dad, got some fishing in. That was a lot of fun. And then I was able to uh, get get a chance to scout some spots, which you recommended. Uh, if you're in Wisconsin, uh, I would look into the VAP lands. Uh, that's Volunteer Access Program. They do not pop up on most maps, even on Onyx. I don't even think they pop up on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I found some really great property that I'm really excited about for, uh, for coyote hunting. And I may try and get out there for some bow hunting if I could find some time, you know, coming up here in a bit. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. But th that's about it for me. Got my boat all squared away. I got some real nice LED lights that I, uh, that I attached to that. So now I can actually see where I'm going in the morning and doing that. So, yeah, no nothing too special. That's good stuff. Um, what about, uh, you ever thought about trying to trap that ground for what that's got the coyotes on it or anything? You know, I'm just, I'm not much of a trapper. I feel like I'd have to really get into it for this season. I'd probably not maybe next year. Um, but there's a real nice, and I've never seen it before. There's actually a shale bluff. Uh, it's like a limestone bluff on the property. It's like 30 feet high. And I really want to go up there and put a bipod on the 30-06 and just post up there and wait for coyotes. That'd be pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, sniper style would be sweet. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's got wetland on it. There's some ponds. I saw some geese, too. So, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, what, anything uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What have, what have you been doing cooking your ducks? Have you Have you cooked any yet or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, I shot a Woody um, opening weekend and, um, yeah, made uh, jalapeno poppers, bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers. My buddy actually made them and uh, gave some to me, and they were uh, they were pretty good. Nice. So a little, uh, uh, yeah, just a little sliver of jalapeno uh, stuffed with duck and then, uh, and then uh, wrapped in bacon, throw them in the oven about 350. Ooh, mama, they're good. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, if you shoot next, what do you shoot? I'll just uh, suggest just pluck it and then 
fillet it with that skin on and then just fry it on a pan like that, that skin tastes like chicken skin, dude. Really? Like it is unreal on wood ducks. I do like wood ducks, teal, some mallards, those that real fatty white yellow meat or that white or yellow skin. I like the some of the puddle ducks, leave that stuff on. And that fat will kind of render down when you cook it. And then that skin will crisp up. It is my favorite way to just have a couple of duck breasts. Huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to try that. It sounds pretty dang good. And then uh, you, you just, just... You, just it and then you just get a little torch or a lighter or something and sear off. It'll be kind of hairy still. You just kind of burn all that off and then throw it on the frying pan. Dang. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. Medium, I'll medium rare is like the the most you ever want to do duck. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it sounds delicious. I'm I'm a, I'm about it. I'll I'll take it for a spin. Yeah, and then I'm gonna next. Hopefully next week I'm gonna be coming back with some intel on a duck liver pate recipe I'm trying out. Mm, yeah yeah well the one that woody that i shot i kept the heart and it was sitting in my fridge for a while and then i kind of forgot about it and i was like oh dang it and then i just i tossed it but i was i was gonna i I mean i i don't mind the hearts oh yeah i love them i got a bag of livers and a bag of hearts i'm just gonna have fun with yeah i should start keeping the livers too i didn't even think about that all right well um i I keep the gizzards too if you're real hardcore i do like some fried gizzards dude i'm a big fan of chicken gizzards it's disgusting but i love it so much all right yeah you you could even pickle them dude get a bad rap but i mean they're they're good turkeys for sure keep them ducks i mean if you're if you're starving or if you want to get creative you could keep you should keep your gizzards Oh man. Ooh, you got me thinking now. I made yeah, oh man. Yeah, that would be uh I'm about it. I'm about it, man. I'll I'll have to look into that. I don't really know how to like pull the gizzards properly so that they're like still intact, but I'll have to uh I'll have to look into that. Huh. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we got the uh the weekend uh, or the the weeks recap covered. Uh did some duck hunting, some deer hunting, some more duck hunting, some scouting, some cooking. We uh we kind of hit it all, some fishing. So, uh, we got some news stories though. And, uh, <laughs> there, we, we got a couple of them. Zach, you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, uh, I got one here, which, uh, this was, re- so this happened actually in 2015, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. But the guy finally got charged. And if you get a chance, maybe we'll post the link up with the picture. Actually, we definitely will. So check out our Instagram. <laughs> Uh, so a gentleman up at Banff, so this is up in, uh, up in Canada, uh, <laughs> decided to, uh, take a shirt off shouting at a grizzly bear and trying to box it. Um, and, uh, uh, surprise, surprise. He was highly intoxicated and the, the, the Saskatchewan man, uh, pled guilty to trying to fight a grizzly bear and got charged four thousand bucks. So, my question here is Zach: Is there any amount of alcohol that would get anyone to fight a bear? And I guess there is. Uh, apparently, there is, <laughs> and I hope I hope nobody ever <laughs> does that much of that type of alcohol again because this <laughs> might be the dumbest just asking for it scenario I've ever seen in my life. Oh my goodness. The amount of alcohol that it would take would inadvertently kill me. Uh, so <laughs> it's a lose, lose situation. Yeah. What, what I don't, I honestly do not understand. It, it just, it, I was very confused and uh, I didn't know what was going on. It was a, it was a thriller of a story from start to finish. Gets out of his truck, yeah. shirtless, yells at the grizzly bear, and then tries to punch it in the face. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, if they're uh, if they're good, honest Canadian folk, I'm sure they had a gun in their cars. So then, if the grizzly did come and start roughing up the guy, then you have a dead grizzly and possibly a dead guy. There's. There's, there's honestly no good scenario coming out of this. Absolutely, absolutely none. And I, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's funny, but the real message here is 
don't mess with the wildlife, people. Please, just stay in your cars, especially grizzly bear. Uh, we got to post this picture, though. Oh, my gosh, it's so funny. This dude, just, <laughs> this dude just squared up to a grizzly bear, and the grizzly bear is looking at him like, okay, dude, what's what's going on here? It uh, looks like it's the beginning of, like, a Mountain Dew commercial or, like, a, a Slim Jim commercial or something. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, Let me ask you this. Uh, grown grizzly bear right, standing right in front of you. What what do you think you could do to it before you die? Like, uh, how could you get any punches in or a kick to the nads or, or what do you, what do you think you would work with just to try to defend yourself? I would try and seduce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, realistically, uh, I think I'd go for the eye gouge, but I don't think I, there's not much you could do. I mean, everyone, everyone has that, you know, that bar discussion or, you know, you're sitting around with your buddies. Oh, you know what? Well, I can take a grizzly bear if X, Y, Z. That thing's going to maul you to death and not even think about it no matter what you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. I don't know what this guy was thinking, but uh, yeah. So just stay in your cars. If you had a few too many, I don't know if it's just don't go fight animals or people. Yeah, yeah at them from afar, you know. Verbally <laughs> harass them. Don't take off your shirt and sexually harass them. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, goodness gracious. Oh man, this this fella. Well, Devin Mitsuing, you you fella, you are the the pinnacle of what not to do in the wilderness. So thanks for that, bud. Um. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, speaking of of animal animal attacks, Zach, I believe you have a a, a story here. Yes, um, <laughs> I still can't believe it. <laughs> but, so the the headline is beaver attacks kayaker in New York, and directly below that it says, "Yep, you read that right." <laughs> so. Uh, just uh, doing some web searches, uh, February of 2017, a uh, kayaker was found recovering in a hospital after a beaver decided that the only thing he needed to do that day was mess this guy up. Um, the beaver apparently leapt from the water and pulled this guy out of his boat. I can't even say this with a straight face. How big or small? How big does this beaver have to be? And small does this man have to be to get pulled out of this boat? Um, Michael Cavanaugh. He he got treated for puncture wounds on his arms and back. Um. The, he hit the animal sev- or a nearby kayak instructor hit the animal several times with the paddle and then mysteriously the beaver was just later found dead <laughs> um, I've trapped a fair bit of beavers and the biggest one being about 60 pounds I, I really just don't see how this is humanly possible or beaverly possible <laughs> I just what I took away from this story and got I just I could not just looking at this I I'm just picturing a beaver leaping from the water torpedoing I'm picturing it being like you know on Shark Week where they show the uh, the great whites like breaching at a seal I'm picturing that <laughs> but a beaver and just latching onto this dude oh my god what I what I would have paid to see this, and here's what I can tell you, as a certified ACA level one kayak instructor, we do not go over this. So you are on your own. <laughs> if a beaver attacks you, I'm out. It's every man for themselves at that point. I, I do feel bad for this guy because I have thought that getting bitten by a beaver has to be just like getting your finger cut off oh yeah for sure and that that is true i'm sure the wounds that he sustained were probably pretty drastic but it's still hilarious um (laughs) just thinking of it is just (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. So, so Zach, what have you run into? And I, I don't have enough experience. Uh, I don't have much experience with beavers. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, realistically, do you think you like, I feel like a grown man can take a beaver. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I think it just depends on what kind of position you're in. If you're just, if it's just kind of chasing at you on land or something, sure. Yeah. You can, you can thwap it on the head, but I mean, if it, Gosh, I don't know what kind of situation you got yourself into, but if a beaver's got a hold of you and he's like trying to swim, I mean, that's where they, that's where they get all their power from as they're swimming. So, um, I don't know. A tail slap would probably, if you get a tail slap to the head, that might ring your bell pretty good too. Well, I've seen, uh, you know, in my ranger days, we had a, uh, a pretty aggressive beaver at one of our dog parks. I used to try and attack the dogs that were swimming. Even then, I mean, it didn't really like the dogs just kind of thwarted it, you know, away it would just, you know, yelp at it and whatever. And it would go away. I'm just, I'm just picturing if a beaver latches onto my arm, it is going to be the exact scene from Ace Ventura with the crocodile. You know, <laughs> quit hitting yeah. yourself. Quit hitting yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to yeet that thing so far into the woods. Yeah. Um, I've felt them, um, you know, I sometimes when I'm trapping, I use just a long chain at the end of my trap. So I got to kind of pull them in with one hand and then just dispatch them with my other. Um some of them, I mean, some of those 50, 60 pounders, it, it takes most of your strength to try and get them close to shore if they're just out in open water swimming around. So what would you do in your, in, in, in your trapping, uh, you know, you're out trapping, you get a beaver on land, and the thing comes at you. Are you going for the Robbie Gould, the punt, or are you, or are you just? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they're a dense animal. <laughs> they're thick um i mean you kick them in the teeth that's not gonna do much and they got a real thick skull on them if it's in a trap and it's charging me i'm dumping the clip at it (laughs) (laughs) screw the pelt at this point because apparently i'll be hospitalized um but i don't know it's it's part of my nightmares now (laughs) Something, something to be aware of. So, beaver trappers out there, if you're if you're a fan of uh, beaver trapping or kayaking for that matter, uh, be aware. You know, just be aware they can breach. They will be on Shark Week this year on Discovery Channel. Um, and <laughs> it's just a mess. But yeah, God, that was a funny one. But th- speaking of thick, perfect segue. <laughs> speaking of thick, Zach, I I sent you this link. How thick are these bears at Katmai for the bear, the fat bear contest? Man, Holly is looking good. <laughs> Holly is a thick bear. My <laughs> God. She's pushing. Should we, tell, should we tell them what we're talking about? Yeah. Or should we just leave the audience hanging right now? So I'll give a little background. Every year, Katmai National Park does a, a uh, they do a bracket style where you can vote on the uh, fattest bear at Katmai. And these, uh, these uh, and are these, uh, these are brown bears or these uh, grizzlies? These are grizzlies. Um, they just gorge themselves on salmon in these rivers and uh, they just get thick before hibernation and you can vote on the thickest bear, the fattest bear. And God, it is a joy. Nothing brings a smile to my face than a bear that is dragging its stomach on the ground. <laughs> the, yeah. The, I didn't, I thought that these are always like exaggerations, exaggerating pictures of like, you know, just this one crazy bear that got super fat in someone's backyard, but there is a few bears that are just the size of minivans here. <laughs> Holly is thick, and Holly is not a person. Holly is the bear. Uh, she is bear number four four thirty five, and my God, is she just looking robust, thick, and beautiful, and loving life, and I love it. She she is. 
the Lizzo of bears. She's a thick mommy, and she is loving life. Yeah, this, uh, I don't know what to say. This is just impressive. I mean, they honestly are just like a, it's a Volkswagen bug that can kill you a lot easier. It is. I think you, I think I'd be more likely to survive a 30 mile per hour collision with a Volkswagen bug than, uh, this, this tank. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And for those, uh, we'll, we'll add a little, um, a little tidbit of knowledge. Uh, what they go into is a stage of hyperphagia, which is eating nonstop. So, little tidbit of knowledge. We've all been you. there. I oh, we've all been there. We have all been About there. About two thirty in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, maybe we'll we'll, we'll post a picture of uh, of Holly as well because she is looking she's looking mighty fine and God bless her heart because she is gonna if she doesn't survive winter, no one will. <laughs> yeah that's our uh, that's our keystone species for how bad winter gets yeah oh if we're all dead it's because holly's dead <laughs> if holly doesn't survive we really need to look into some things for sure but yeah so uh that was uh that was the news this week uh i think we covered all the topics uh got some bear fights uh or attempted bear fights some uh some dirty beavers and some uh some thick bears so uh that that that's all we got for this week um but zach i want to move into the main topic here and uh i think this is a really interesting topic for for hunters and i think uh, you know looking forward into hunting and i've looked at the numbers of both hunter and fisherman is um is how technology is affecting hunting and uh, kind of the, the topic that I think we're going to touch on here is how technology is affecting hunting and has it gone too far? And uh, we got a lot of topics here that we're going to touch on, but Zach, I mean, the overall premise here, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this is kind of a touchy, sticky topic. Um. I mean, I think we're kind of at just at a threshold right now. Um, most stuff that's out has been out for a while. You know, range finders, game cams, stuff like that. It's it's still considered new technology, but we're all used to it now. Um, at, we're kind of at that threshold where anything more, just it's just starting to feel a little dirty to me. Um, you know, you, you, we get into the whole thing with the f- efficiency and efficacy, and at at some point, you just need to say it needs to stay hunting. You know, it's it, it's just such a sticky subject. It is, and and I think I think it's one that needs to be touched on, and I think um, you know, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you is I think right now we're right at that. We're walking a very fine line right now because I look at stuff. It's kind of like the sweet spot. Yeah. And I think right now, I think it's, you know, cause you got to think about fair chase and you got to think about ethics of hunting and it gets one of those. It, it, I think the issue for me is more so um, it's, you know, it's not the, it's not the rule, but the spirit of the rule you know, with a lot of these, you know, a lot of these things, like, uh, I think range finders are good. I, and I mean, why don't we just touch on each topic individually and I, and we have some out here. So what's your thoughts right now? And I think a big one and one that I find pretty interesting is the game cams. And I know we talked about it and I, and I'm pro I'm pro game cam when you're setting them up and you got to go check out the SD cards and you go out there and check them. The issue that I'm having more with and I almost feel like it's a little bit of cheating and you see it a lot in Wisconsin with people from you know Chicago or people from out of town as they set up trail cams on a property and then anytime that there's movement it gets automatically sent to their you know their smartphone or their computer or whatever so they never actually have to step into the field besides setting up their game camera 
And I think, I don't know, just to me, that seems a little bit taking away from the, you know, getting out there, getting into the wilderness, seeing your land that you're hunting, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, I've messed with them. I've used them for some work in the past. And I mean, they are nice, right? There's no doubt about that. They, they really cut down your time out there if you got better stuff to do but it all comes back to to hunting you know it's it's uh it takes a lot out of it and i mean i we run game cameras in our hunting property in wisconsin half the fun is going out there getting them looking at your property you know you might pass a scrape that's brand new in a different spot you would have never thought a buck would been before or a bedding area or you just your boots on the ground in the environment just always needs to be i think that gets lost on some people once technology like this comes around because then they could just say oh look i've had a buck on my camera at the last half hour of daylight for the past three nights i'm gonna go hunt there tomorrow night or you know, say they're at their place up north or whatever, and they get a text at noon saying, oh, look, there's turkeys on the back food plot. Let's run over there right now and go shoot them. You know, there can just be a lot uh, a lot that can be taken advantage of from one of these. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you. And I just think that um, with that, I, I think that, and like you said, you mentioned it is, uh, I think the fun in the hunting is actually being out there. And that's what hunting at its core, I think is truly about is being out there in nature and, you know, figuring things out and kind of getting back to your, you know, the ancestry of hunting and, and being out there, being part of the, part of the ecosystem that, that you're going to be hunting in. And you just have these kids just sent, just like you said, you could get a, you get a text to your phone at, uh, you know, uh, four thirty, and hunting hours end at six. You go, all right, I'm going to run out there right now. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shoot over there and just get out there as quick as I can. Whereas if you, if you're at least checking your SD cards, you have to get out there and then you got to look back, take it to, okay, I think this might be a good spot. It looks like there's some consistency in what time he's coming. Whereas getting it sent right to your phone, you're out doing who knows what you're out at the gym and you go oh okay i'm gonna leave right now i don't know it kind of takes it away from it, you know in my eyes but teach their own yeah it uh um yeah yeah all right it, it's just through this gray area that we and it it just all these are just those things where it's in your gut that it doesn't seem right because we this whole thing of efficacy and fair chase is all our own, you know, doing. This is all just our own definition of it. So then we just have to look at it and say, does this uh, match up with what we define fair chase to be? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then another one. So, I mean, another topic, which this one's going to be real touchy, and I don't, I, I truly don't know how I feel about this one. Is, and I, I'm fortunate enough, and I think you probably are as well, is I live in an area where hunters talk to each other. You go out for a beer on Friday night, you talk to some other guys that are hunting, you just talk to guys, whatever, at work, wherever you may be, and you, you chit chat and you, you find common ground. Oh, you hunt. Oh, I hunt. Where are you hunting? You know, and you could get some spots through, you know, you could get your, um, your pointers, some, maybe some locations if you're lucky enough where to hunt. Um, and I feel like a little bit, and I know this is going to sound so strange, but a lot of these forums and message, message boards almost take away from that. A little bit where you're not, you know, you're talking to guy. Hey, can I hunt your field for geese? You're out scouting, whatever. You're taught. You're basically collectively getting all of the knowledge from everyone, bringing it to one place. And the problem is with that too, is I feel like it makes a lot of hunters way more secretive because they know that there's these message boards and everything else. They don't want to tell anyone their spots. So because everything is collective, you actually get less. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, for for bird hunting, I love going and knocking on doors. Um, or, you know, yeah, like you said, that, that barroom stuff, you know, you talk to such and such and he's neighbors with so-and-so and they got geese sometimes. Why don't you come on out and say, introduce yourself and then just check back later in the year and we'll talk then if I got geese on the property. Uh, or, you know, I personally, I never ask where. All I ask is what should I be looking for or what what indicators should I be honing in on right now or in the future or, you know, what, what are these uh, environmental cues or stuff like that, just like the area more so than where because there's going to be deer, there's going to be ducks, there's going to be turkeys everywhere. As long as you know what you're looking for, I think that knocks out the majority of hunting in in general yeah yeah no i agree with that and i actually uh oddly enough that this past weekend which i didn't do any hunting this weekend um but i was out for the chili cook-off downtown and uh so i went down there and there's a bunch of guys still in face paint wearing their camo and everything oh you know where'd you guys go uh well we were out oh so you know were you guys on the river were you guys hunting fields uh we were out don't uh, i don't want to give out my spots i'm like all right, bro. Okay. I see how it is. So, you know, it's, um, it is a tricky thing. And and the thing is, is I understand it in a sense because you give out some of these spots and then all of a sudden it, all it takes is one person, you know, it's like a, it's like a game of telephone. You tell one person and then you, that person tells every other person they know. And I think with these message boards is that, um, exaggerates it even more is, you know, someone says, oh, I got this great spot. Well, they, they're big into posting on whatever Facebook group they're part of, like, oh, limited out at, at, you know, on this section of the river. Well, then the next week you got 100 guys that are out on that section. Right. Yeah, I there, there's, a, there's a fine line of being an asshole about it. You know, in your case – those guys could have said, oh, yeah, north of town or, oh, yeah, the river. You know, it's it's just those little things that, that that just falls into what I was saying earlier about indicators. Like, are they hitting fields yet? Because then you would know you're not knowing what field they're in. You're just knowing that, hey, birds are hitting fields or, hey, big migration push divers on the river. It's just little tiny things that you just start piecing together throughout the year. And then next year or that year, you just start figuring stuff out. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I feel like as hunters, <clears throat> I, I feel like as hunters, we, um, I think we're a bunch that does like to share information, but not too much, which I think is good. But once again, it's just uh, in relation to technology or the topic at hand here is, um, I think with certain people is it gets disseminated too far. And I think that's one of the issues with some of these forums and message boards and Facebook groups and, you know, all this other stuff. So, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. But, um, yeah, I've lost my spots just taking friends or whatever, too. And, you know, you you want to help them out and you don't want to help them out too much because it's land's harder and harder to come by. And it's it's just a fine line you got to work with, but you can't. You can't start being just an asshole to, you know, other hunters. That's just, that's just not how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and another question, and uh, you're, 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 uh, you're an avid bow hunter. And uh, one of the articles that I was reading from, um, I think it was from, was it from gun? No, this was from uh, gohunt.com is it was, uh, it was talking about, bow hunting and how far it's how far it's coming i think it's a it's an interesting topic on how you know you think about native americans and kind of like even even beyond that someone like fred bear that um you know they were hunting with these long bows they were tracking stalking animals they were having to get within range these bows that are shooting what a, a you know not even a couple hundred feet per second and uh and now we're at these bows. You have range finders. You have automatic uh, uh, sights that calculate based on your range. 
and they're shooting 300 plus feet per second. You could, before you could only take shots at 20 yards. Now you could put, you know, you could get a quarter size grouping at a hundred yards. And I'm wondering, you know, has it gone too far? Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh, it's at the, at the root, it's still a bow and it still requires a lot of practice. It, it hasn't gotten far enough where, you know, anybody could just pick it up the day of and go do it. So that's still, um, the integrity of that is still there. These, these new bows, like that one article saying this guy couldn't shoot, you know, 40 yards as far which for me, I might shoot a couple 40-yard shots with my target. I'm not going to shoot a 40-yard deer. I'll tell you that right now. Um, and then he was saying, but then, yeah, with this new bow, 60-yard uh, shots are, you know, like nothing. Just like you were saying, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's The technology is there to make it a lot more, it's one of those where I think it's good because it makes it more efficient, but it doesn't make it necessarily a whole lot easier. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Cause you still got to put time behind the bone. The bow hunting one is kind of a, a weird one um, where it, it is one of those things. You still got to be good. No matter which way you cut it, you still got to be good. You know, this thing is not, uh, you still got to have time, uh, you know, time behind the string. You got to, you know, you got to practice and all that stuff. So I don't think it's, I, that is one where I don't think it's um, taking away from hunting. I think it's making a hunter more efficient, but I don't necessarily think it's taking away from the, the, the core of hunting. Um, a A lot of states are actually getting out in front of like, I know a lot of them are just now saying like, no electronics on your bow. So, like, even those... Uh, electronic rangefinders. Yeah, or, like, so that even boils down to, like, those camera... Uh, whatever you call them on the front side of the bow. Why is it? The uh, balance, the balancer on the front. Yeah. Like, those little mini cameras, that would technically be electronics on your bow. So, no electronics on your bow. So, that's... That's kind of nipping that end of it in the butt. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Well, one, and uh, kind of on that topic, and um, I, th- this article, the other one from uh, Guns and Ammo, um, is uh, I thought it was pretty uh, pretty interesting. I was talking about the um, the new optics, and I think, is it by Remington, that new, uh, the new optics? Um, yeah. That oh my gosh, I was reading that and it like you know I was like, good lord, man, is for hunting. I mean, if you're target shooting, cool, but basically the premise of the article is this new um, 2020 digital optic system uh, made by Remington with uh, tracking points is what they call it. Basically, the gun sights itself for you. You literally yeah, you're, can staring at, you're staring at a screen, basically, right? Yeah, that's what it was saying. It was saying that there's a computer in it, so it's not an actual true optic. Is it's a um, you're just uh, you're just looking at the you're looking at a screen, and uh, you could line up the sights. You pick your target, you tag the target. It lines itself up. It does all you got to take is the windage, and you just take windage. It measures everything for you. You type in the temp, everything, and then it just does it. And then you line it up, and then you just pull the trigger. It's insane, and to me, that that's going too far. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like to think of the precedent with the bow. You, you still need to, you still need to do it. You still need to practice. You still need to get good at it. This takes all that out of it, and sure, you can argue the efficiency and you know effectiveness is better, but. At, at what cost, you know, it, it starts to come into that. It's starting to feel a little dirty category. Oh yeah. I'm feeling a little, it, it is, it really is. And I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. The, the cost of entry on these, I don't think that we're going to be seeing technology like this anytime soon because the retail starts at 5,500 for the scope. 
and then uh yeah so it, it's it, what what you're saying what um so tracking point rifle systems is 20 grand to get this rifle with the optics but now just with the optic system it's 5500 i mean there's guys that are going to be willing to spend that, but I'm like, oh, gosh, yeah, it, it definitely, you, you feel a little dirty just thinking about it. One might say it's like kissing your sister. <laughs> I don't have any sisters, so we're good. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I don't know. It, it's strange. It is a, it's a very interesting topic, and I don't know. And some of the other stuff uh, that we have listed here, I mean, the um, – the the scent blocking clothes, I don't have any issue with that. You, Zach? No, it's all the it's all a hoax. Yeah, and that's what I wonder too. The scent blocking clothes, I have no problem with range finders. Um, the GPS on the phones, I don't have any issue with that. One great thing with technology that I think is amazing and I don't think is cheating, Google Earth. Oh yeah. Google Earth yeah. has been a godsend for hunting. Oh yeah, and then one step further, on X. I mean, I I use that every day in the fall. Oh yeah, for yeah, all those yeah. I mean, I use just my county maps and look at the overlays, see what's private and not. Yeah, oh my gosh, that makes life ten thousand to get you out of a quick fifteen hundred dollar ticket. Is uh, you know using that and knowing actually where you're hunting, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's an interesting topic and. Um, I mean, I, I'd love to hear everyone's opinions on this. You know, maybe we, we'll, we'll post something up on Instagram as well as, um, you know, what your thoughts are on using on using some of this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, do you have any other pieces of technology that you think may or may not be going too far? Um, gosh, you know, I might catch some flack for this, but waterfowl hunting is my number one passion. And just to see how some of these uh, like swimmers or these tracks that you lay down in the water to have like 12 decoys swimming around in a circle. It's, it kind of just seems to me like it's getting out of hand. Um, Some of the splashers, I mean, little stuff is okay. I mean, half the season I'm using a jerk rig. The other half I might bring a mojo out and that's about as technical as I want to get. Yeah, no. Um, I was actually just re- uh, I was looking up one where they literally have these things, and I don't know who makes them. Um, but yeah, they're like you you put out the they just swim around. It's like a Roomba for the water. They just yeah. bum around when they bump into stuff. They turn around. And I'm like, man, you you throw out fifty decoys. It literally looks like uh, I'm like, Ugh, now we're kind of. It gets from, you know, uh, tricking them into just straight up deceiving them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, you put out it, you put out a spread, okay. I mean, there, there's even if you got the top of the line decoys, maybe you have a mojo. It's like, okay, it looks real, but you know they could probably figure it out if they wanted to. But now when you're getting into these swimmers, these things are squirting water. You got things going all over. You're blowing these high duck calls. It's like, uh, okay, now we're getting a little too realistic. Yeah. Uh, as soon as you know, as soon as uh, opening opening week, opening couple days, when everyone's using their mojos, sure, I'll play that game. Uh, you know, after a week or two weeks into the season, I'm getting that mojo out of there, running a jerk rig because those ducks have seen, especially now being in southern Missouri, those ducks have seen mojos for a couple different countries and about four or five different states, you know, it's, it's going to be a godsend that they don't see a mojo sitting in the bottom of a marsh somewhere. And I'm just sitting there with my little jerk rig and, and it's just, uh, we just got to get back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think a lot of people sometimes, uh, and, and here's another thing about technology and maybe we could touch on this a little bit We're we're going over time a bit here, but that's okay is um is i think technology too is i think people like look at i think technology has gotten almost too gimmicky in hunting oh yeah like people are just going for the gimmick i'm like just go it's been working for a hundred years just throw out some decoys and sit there 
Yep. It, you get better at your calls, shoot better. You know, it's, there's a lot of different things you can do to get more ducks than just buy the newest and best, greatest thing. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that goes for all hunting. I mean, for you, you name, you name a species to hunt, they got some weird new thing that's going to do. So it's going to send out uh, Delta gamma rays to attract raccoons. Who knows? I don't know what, you know, it could be anything at this point in time. Yeah. There's a, I mean, I shoot a four or five year old uh, starter bow still. And it's shot me couple deer i mean every year i fill the freezer it's not it might be worth a hundred bucks right now if i try and resell it but it it does me perfectly fine yeah no for sure for sure so i think at the core of this is i think there's some good stuff that's out there i think there's some bad stuff that's out there but i think at the end of it at least my message to anyone else that's you know anyone that's listening that hunts is you know just remember the core of hunting and what we're really out here to do is I don't know about everyone else, but I'm out here to enjoy myself, get some meat in the freezer, have a good time, practice good, uh, uh, you know, habitat and, uh, and animal management and not just try and stack bodies, you know, be, uh, be a good woodsman or woodswoman. There you go. You heard it from the horse's mouth right there. Be a good woods person. Um, but yeah, or but thing, big on. woods thing. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, miss, uh, misinterpret anyone. It's, it's 2019. <laughs> Be a good woods human, if that or alien, whatever. To eat your own. As long, as long as you don't poach, I don't care. Just wash your hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Clean up after yourself. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But, um, so yeah, um, Sorry. Um, so yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll go into the next topic here. Now we got a little depressed and talk about uh, how technology is ruining hunting. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about some some hot hot gear, cold beer. Zach, what do you got for me? Hot gear. I'm going with those Rage broadheads. I'm shooting a Rage chisel tip. It's a it's a little over two inch diameter cut. Um, this is my first year using mechanicals. And they are doing me really, really well so far. Uh, I don't know if this is new or what, but they went away from those little, you know, those little rubber bands they used to put around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they switched to this. Uh, what do they? They call it a shock collar. So it's just like this little tiny perforated plastic collar that goes on below, or like it seats up against your insert on your arrow and then the the broadhead itself has like spurs on the back end of it on the non-cutting side and you tuck those spurs into that collar so that when it impacts it just breaks that perforated collar away and expands yeah i don't know if they changed it because they were having failures or it's just better technology or what i shot it couple of times and it's expanded great every time um and then the collars are like 50 cents i bought a box of 20 for 10 bucks so really not that bad um but so far so good on those i, I really like them just i might switch to mechanical from now on nice nice uh anything uh so you, you got the the hot gear now the true question is the cold beer Right now, I'm drinking a natural light uh, Natterdays. It is strawberry lemonade beer. And I, if I'm not going to drink a nice cold bush latte or something, and I want something a little different, I usually pick up one of these. Um, I know everyone's on a White Claw fancy right now, but I like these a lot better than White Claws, actually. Nice. So when when you're watching the Bachelor with the girls, you really got something to to suckle on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, I I'm I just can't get behind the 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 of seltzer water beer whatever nonsense. I don't know. I can't. I just I like my hard liquor too much. 
Yeah. No, but, that's uh this isn't a seltzer, it's just a strawberry lemonade beer. Yeah, but those seltzers just I just start burping and then I just start getting a, a sicky tummy and then I'm done. <laughs> get a little sicky? Zach gets a little sicky. I get a little sicky tummy. <laughs> Looking like, oh man, we need to give a couple of those to Holly. See if she can regurgitate some of those salmon on Jesus. Yeah, she needs help. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, for my for my hot gear, um, I'm going to go with um, the Real Tree Bomber, uh, the Bomber style, Woodsman style, whatever you want to call it, the hat. Uh, you know, it's kind of like your Woodman's hat with you know the ear flaps and the front fur lined hat. Uh, Is there rabbit fur in there, Austin? No, there's not rabbit fur. I'm pretty sure it is probably something leaded from china but it's okay <laughs> i've been getting a lot of headaches while i'm wearing it i don't know what that's about but whatever um but yeah i picked it up for like seven bucks at walmart and it's uh, water resistant and it's awesome it keeps my head warm so no complaints there uh so go that to is one, of the, one of the most important things to keep dry and warm is your head your head and your biceps um keeps and- about 85% of your body weight's held in your head. So you got to, you got to protect that. I do got a big head and a tiny little body. So <laughs> I need a neck warmer is what I need. I need to invest in some scarves. Yeah, you should do more than one at a time. Scarves. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But, uh, so yeah, no. And then uh, as far as the, uh, the cold beer, I wish I, I wish I had something better. Um, I will, what I'll give is a bad review, actually, so it's going to be a hot gear poopy beer, is, <laughs> is the Line and Kugel's Oktoberfest. It's not good. Not a fan. It's not good. It is not good. I was I'll at the right. cook-off, had a, had a swig of that, and I was like, yeah, I'm out. Jack and Cokes it is. And, but, yeah. Let me ask you this. Do you like other Oktoberfests, or do you just not like Oktoberfest? I don't. I'll tell you what. The Point Oktoberfest is good. And okay. I've had, you do like some Oktoberfests? Yeah. I mean, I've had them. You can only drink one, or else you're, you know, it's like eating a, you know, or drinking a meal, drinking your dinner. But um, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Line of Kugels, you know, not a fan. But if Line of Kugels is listening, still sponsor us. I'll drink them and act happy. Yeah. Please. <laughs> I'll act. I can put on a fake smile. Please. <laughs> Ton of them if you want me to. I'll do anything. I'll do it all. <laughs> um, New Glarus has their staghorn out now, which is their Oktoberfest, and that one is delightful. Oh, big fan of New Glarus. Can only get it in Wisconsin, so that is a tasty little treat. I like their. Yeah, I, I got a few there that I could touch on that are some tasty little treats from New Glarus, but um, yeah, no, I think. Uh, I think that's about it. I mean, you got any uh, any closing remarks? We're hitting our uh, you know an hour ten here, so uh, any uh, hot tip: save the skin on your puddle ducks, teal, mallards, wood ducks. Just pluck the feathers off, burn that hairy stuff off, and throw that on the pan. You will not regret it. Uh, wor- words words of the wise from uh, Mister uh, Mister Zach here. Um, yeah, for any last tips from me, I would say, um, I don't know if I got anything for you guys. Uh, I guess it would be, uh, get a dog so you don't lose ducks and be depressed for a week. Um, yeah, it's like a 16 year investment, but you won't lose three ducks that one time. So (laughs) if you got, if you got 12 years and about 12 grand. Then you're in the driver's seat. Get yourself a yeah. dog. You will not. So four thousand dollars a bird that you will not lose, <laughs> and you'll be you'll be good to go. <laughs> you'll be eating three ducks for dinner for the next week. <laughs> oh man, they are going to be tasty and not worth four thousand dollars, but still worth <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that closes us out for this week. Uh, and 
I think that's it. So, and last closing remark, Zach. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, let us know if you agree or disagree with our technology stuff. And uh, do we want to say, give us a shout out for a sportsman of the week? Do yes, you want to yeah. intro that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're going to be starting and uh, uh, follow us on Instagram. It is uh, Between Two Pines Pod, I believe, right? Correct? Yep. Yep. So Between Two Pines Pod on Instagram. Follow us on there. Um, We'll be posting about the stuff we're talking about. And I apologize. I haven't been getting these podcasts out, but got a new laptop, so we're good. Um, but we'll be posting about these stories and these articles, funny stuff that we find, stuff that Zach and I are doing. Um, but what we're going to start doing is we're going to start doing the Sportsman of the Week. So if you tag us, you know, use the hashtag Between Two Pines Pod and uh, tell us your story and you can be featured as the Sportsman of the Week. And, uh, and always, you know, thanks for listening. Let us know how we're doing. And, uh, yeah, and enjoy the outdoors. So I think that does it for this week, and we will be seeing you next week. Cheers.